This podcast is presented to you by High Desert Word Center in Barstow, California. For more information, visit hdwc.org. Well, we're going to start off at Acts chapter 1. And for all of you taking notes, I'll let you into my secret prayer closet study room for just a second. I've been born again since January 29, 1980. I come from a total heathen background. My parents and I, uh, my family had seven, seven brothers and sisters, and we lived right across from Lane's Tavern. Lane's Tavern is a nice little family place. And, uh, well, I'm talking about where I was raised. Johnny Lane was the, was, was the owner. His wife, Lona, she was the one to help. She was the wild lady of the place. But anyway, I look at that place, and I look at churches after I got saved. That was a counterfeit of Christianity. That bartender was their pastor. They come and they told him their troubles. They got him to give them ungodly counsel. They brought their offerings in there and emptied out their pocketbooks to him. And nobody ever said, that's all that tavern wants is your money. They went there to try to get help. They had fellowship several times a week. And if my mom and dad got too hung over, they couldn't go over. Then some of them come to find out where they were and brought them something. It was a counterfeit of Christianity. And so that's where I was raised out of that world there. So when I got born again on January 29th, I saw a whole new world. Amen. Amen. My dad, my dad had some books under his bed and magazines, but they weren't the Bible. They were some other kind of books. The things that people shouldn't look at. That's what my dad had. That's what I was raised on. And so the Bible was a brand new thing to me. And so I've been studying the Bible for 37 years. I've read the book of Acts lots and lots and lots of times. I've worn out the pages on Bibles, the book of Acts, circling things, putting yellow through things, putting red through things, etc., etc. But as the Lord led me to put that up for the Bible study for our church for the month of February, and then we're into the move we are, this great awakening, I've purposed to read it again like I've never read it before. And I've got, I've got a book that's, that I've had ever since I've been saved pretty much called Three Keys to the Book of Acts by an evangelist named T.L. Osborne. Maybe some of you may have heard of him. But I personally met him back in April of 1981 down in Houston, Texas. Had a little breakfast snack thing with him. Got to talk to him for a few minutes. I was a really young Christian. I didn't know a lot. Didn't know the greatness size of the presence of I kind of did. But I know even more so now. But anyway, this book, Three Keys to the Book of Acts, I've been, I've been studying it with the Book of Acts. I want you, if you're taking notes, just jot this down. And he talks about three principles or characteristics in the lives of the first believers. And so I've been watching these three things. I'm telling you, as I'm reading this every day like you are, I'm watching for these three things. And it's like I've never seen the Book of Acts before. I've read this book years ago and studied it. As I'm reading this now, these three things are really jumping out to me as they're very preeminent in the entire book of Acts. Nearly every chapter, you see these things taking place. How many know in the book of Acts, those believers were on fire? They did something. They shook the world. They changed the world. And do we have a different Holy Spirit now? Do we have the different Word of God now? Do we have a different Jesus? Is heaven different? Is hell different? Are people different? No, people are people. And so if nothing's changed, then for us to get the fire, if we want what they got, 
we got to do what they did. And so here's three keys I've been watching and circling and putting yellow around. Is this number one? This is a key. It's, it's, this is so big when you read the book of Acts. They believed and taught the Word. They believed and taught the Word. Everywhere they went, they quoted out of the Old Testament things about Jesus, about the Messiah, about God, about eternal life, and all those things. They quoted the Bible to people everywhere they went, and so they believed and they taught the Word. We cannot water down what we're going to do if we want if we want the Holy Ghost to show up in people's lives we're witnesses to. <clears throat> we cannot water down the Word. We've got to tell them what the Word of God has to say. Number two, they were filled with and anointed with the Holy Ghost. They were filled with the Holy Ghost. They're anointed with the Holy Ghost. Number three, they knew the authority of and they used the name of Jesus boldly. They knew the authority of, and they used the name of Jesus boldly. The Word convinced the people about Jesus. The Word convicted them. The Holy Spirit was the power behind the miracles. The Holy Ghost produced the miracles When they spoke the word, they acted on the word. The Holy Ghost showed up. And the name was their credentials, was their authority. Their authority was in the name of Jesus. So I've been watching those things and circling those things. And I'll tell you what, it's just so amazing to me what I'm seeing. What God's doing. And knowing He's no respecter of persons. Knowing that more than ever, as Pastor Jay's been looking at in the book of Joel... On Sunday mornings, multitudes, multitudes in the valley of decision. Our country right now need not be a divided nation anymore. We start getting some people in America born again. They start getting on the side of God. And you got to remember, God's not a politician, not a Democrat, not a Republican. People's the one that choose those things. But when whatever political beliefs people had, when they get born again and start knowing what the Word of God has to say about things, and we become united. Unity is another key of the book of Acts. And so when people in the United States get united around Jesus and the Word of God, our country will no longer be called a divided nation. We'll become united again. Amen? And that's what we want to do. So anyway, with those three keys there, what the Lord gave me tonight I'm going to look at is the value of unity, fellowship, and prayer. Tonight we're going to look at the value of unity, fellowship, and prayer for revival or a great move of God or as Pastor Dave talked about, a great awakening. And so we want revival. We want a great move. And the, the Bible, the Bible, if you will, the book of Acts is the genesis of the New Testament. Genesis in the Old Testament tells how God started off creation. The book of Acts tells how God started off the church. So we need to go back to the beginning to see what He did. And then what he did that applies today, we still do. You know, they didn't have light shows back then. They didn't have amplifiers. And so the Word of God works whether you're in a third world country. The Holy Ghost shows up whether they have lights or not. Whether they have heating and cooling, the Holy Ghost shows up. And at the name of Jesus, every demon has to flee. 
at the name of Jesus, people receive miracles and healings. Amen? And so Acts chapter 1, verse 14 and 15, for the direction we're heading, I want you to notice this. <clears throat> There's a lot of things we could point out, but for the purpose of what we're doing, I want you to notice some things here. These all continued with one accord. That means they had one purpose or mindset about what they were doing. They weren't divided. They had a goal. One purpose and one accord in prayer and supplication with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus, and with his brethren. And so Jesus' mother showed up at the prayer meeting. And then, you know, if you know this passage, I'm not going to go through all of it. And so, you know, what a lot of people need to realize, Mary was there on the day of Pentecost, and Mary received the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues. Mary, the mother of Jesus, according to the book of Acts, was one of the first tongue-talking Christians. Amen. Uh, Jesus loved his mom so much, he wanted to make sure she was there, she got it too. And so anyway, anyway, they had about a ten-day prayer meeting. And the reason we know that, you know, I'll just give you some quick history, maybe it doesn't mean anything to you, but the ten-day prayer meeting is this. Because Passover to Pentecost, when Jesus resurrected from the day of Pentecost to Passover, was 50 days. And then in verse 3, it says that Jesus was with them 40 days. And so that's 40 days out of the 50 taken up. And so then that left 10 days till Pentecost. On Pentecost, the Holy Ghost showed up. So this prayer meeting was a 10-day prayer meeting. I think that's pretty serious, don't you? And, and Jesus had told them what the purpose was. He said, Terry, wait until you be endued with power on high. He said, when the Holy Ghost shows up, you'll get power to witness. He said, when the Holy Ghost shows up, the works that I did, you'll do also even greater. He said, when the Holy Ghost shows up, He'll teach you everything you need to know. When the Holy Ghost shows up, He'll bring you remembrance everything I've ever said to you. He told them all about the Holy Ghost. And so they had about ten days, and their purpose wasn't praying for how bad the Roman soldiers treated them. It wasn't, they wasn't praying about how awful it was that happened to Jesus. Jesus got raised from the dead for our sins. They were praying for what Jesus had to pray for. He said, you wait till you get the promise of the Father. So for ten days, those people were praying, Lord, oh, we thank you, Father, for the promise. Oh, Lord, Jesus told us you're going to send, you're going to send the Holy Ghost. Jesus said you're going to send the Spirit. Oh, we thank you and praise you. And for ten days, <clears throat> they were purposing with all of their heart to seek God. And Jesus told them how long to pray. He said, until you get it. Amen. Until you get it. You know, there's too many of you that don't pray till you get it. You pray till you give up because it didn't show up soon enough. These guys prayed and thank God they prayed till they got it. Amen. And so prayer and unity are such keys to the move of God. And so I want you to look at chapter 2, verse 41. There's so much in between these verses I'm looking at, but I'm, I'm just showing you some things you need to see because we at our church, I believe our church is ready. Amen. I believe we're getting more into the move every day. I believe the more we hook up what the Bible says, and you know, what I like to point out from, the, from where I operate from as, as, as a minister of the gospel is this. It's very real to me, Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith cometh by hearing, hearing by the word of God. And so when God gives me something like this about revival, about what you can do to be in that, to be used by God, 
that I have shared the Word of God and God's put faith in your heart to do it. And so, you know, the last thing that needs to take place there is you do it. You know, do you notice the testimonies we had tonight about people witnessing? And Pastor Dave preached this every Sunday morning, pretty much by Sunday night stuff being the same thing. That's because God is so, whatever you want to say, disgusted, like He was in Noah's day about the shape of the world. God's so disgusted about these people giving Him the bird every day. He's so disgusted about that. You know, I think about think about Christians right now, and Jesus warned about it in many places, but He said, all men are going to hate you for My name's sake. That's Jews and Christians. Who's the scourge of the earth today in the eyes of the media? And a lot of, lot of people, Christians and Jews. But the, the thing is, as born-again Christians that love Jesus, we're not mad at any of those people. We don't hate any of those people. We don't want to hurt any of those people. Because we know the day's coming that every one of them's like us. They're going to take their last breath. And everybody that mocked Christians, everybody that mocked Jesus, when they take their last breath, they're going to cry out, Jesus said, with weeping and gnashing of teeth. He said, the fire is going to be so hot that the worm will never be quenched. They'll never, ever, ever be able to be satisfied with any comfort. And eternity is a long time. Jesus talked about eternity. Sometimes he called it everlasting. He said, everlasting life and everlasting torment. Everlasting means it lasts forever. And Jesus said that. So we... As born-again Christians, God loves our, God's love in our heart. Like Pastor Dave said, I don't want to see any terrorists go to hell. I don't want to see anybody go to hell. I want to see people saved. I want to protect our country. And if they attack our country and want to kill my family, then I want somebody to take them out. But I sure like to see them get saved before they go out. And so what I've said is we as Christians, I've been taking my own notes as Pastor Dave's teaching. I wrote down my thing today. We as Christians need to pray for a tender heart for the lost. We need to ask God to give us a tender heart for the lost. Because God has a tender heart for them. And you know something else I add too for what he said? Uh, Breaker Friend Sunday coming up on March the 5th, right? March the 5th, Breaker Friend Sunday. Let me give you something else to add to that. Bring an enemy Sunday. If you bring somebody that's been giving you a rough time to church and they receive Jesus... They get in your family now. They won't be your enemy anymore. They'll be your friend. Amen. And so how can you do that? I would say take them down to Colonel Sanders after lunch, but we don't have KFC anymore. So take them down to Jenny's or somewhere. Say, hey, man. Say, hey, we're having this special day at my church. Even if it's somebody that you've had a hard time talking with, getting along with, say, hey, we're having a special service at our church today. Would you do me a favor? And afterwards, I'll treat you to dinner. Amen. Who knows? It might work. I, I miss that. I miss that, but what was that one? Not very many people around here. <laughs> Acts 2, verse 41. And so, Peter then is preaching after the day of Pentecost. And I want you to notice this in verse 41. It says this, That they that gladly received his word... Well, his word was, he was preaching from the Old Testament. Remember what I told you? One of the things to watch for is the word. He was preaching the Word. What happens when the Word's preached? Faith comes. So he was preaching to all these people in Jerusalem the Word, and then they that gladly received His Word, that means they were born again. He received 
they received the word of God that Jesus is the Messiah. He died for your sins. He was raised from the dead. And when they received that, that means that they said, we believe that. And however they did it back then, I don't know. Sometimes in here, we've got big crowds and we know people need to get saved. Sometimes we'll say, everybody that wants Jesus, say this prayer with me. And so when Peter said that, evidently they prayed. And they said, we believe Jesus is the Son of God. We believe Jesus died for our sins. That's what he was preaching. That's what they had to act on. We believe that Jesus was raised from the dead. Jesus, we believe, we want you, says they gladly received it. They gladly received the Word of God. And so then it says, and they were baptized, and the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. So Peter preached, and about 3,000 people were born again. So now the first church in Jerusalem has grown to 3,120. Amen. Amen. Where's Robert at the ushers at? Hey, guys, make sure you take good tennis records. Okay, they got 3,120, so they were taking records. Okay, keep good attendance. <laughs> hey, I just want to show you a scriptural to know how many people are coming to your church and getting born again. Amen. Amen. Now, that's not something to brag about. That's something to testify about. Say, glory to God, we start off 120. Now, about our first service, 3,000 people got saved. Our church grew to 3,120. Amen. That's pretty powerful, isn't it? But you notice that a big key was they, they preached the Word of God. And, you know, I, I want to show you some, some things through. I want to read verse 42 to 47. And this, this, this is so important. I want you to notice the unity, the fellowship, and the prayer in this. They had the gladness we're about 3,000. And they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That means these new believers, all you new believers listen to this, and all you know-it-alls listen to. Okay, I mean, all you mature believers. <laughs> I found out a long time ago, I don't know it all. I'm still growing. I'm still learning. And so they, they, state, they continue steadfastly in the apostles' doctrine. That means what they taught. And so sitting under the teaching of the word of fivefold ministry gifts, is vital stability. I want to say that again so you get it. Sitting under the, sitting under the authority, submitting to, sitting under the teaching of the Word by seasoned ministers is absolutely, absolutely vital necessity if you want to stay stable. Amen. And so they did that. They sit under the, sit under the Word and fellowship and in breaking of bread and in prayers. They ate together. Amen. I don't think they ate Mexican food or American hamburgers. You know, they ate together what they had. And so that, that, that's so critical to a church bonded together and growing together. They hung out together and fear came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were done by the apostles and all that believed were together and had all things common. It sold the possessions and goods and parted them to all men as every man had need. They were a giving people. Amen. We've got a giving church. I love the way our church gives. This is a very giving church. I like that. And it says they continuing once a month. They, 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 they continued uh, sometimes if they didn't sleep in. They continued except when it was a ball game day. They continuing daily with one accord. That means one mind, one purpose in the temple. And look at this, at breaking bread from house to house. 
That sounds to me like a lift group. Breaking bread from house to house. We have these things in our church that in case somebody doesn't know it yet, they're called lift groups. That L-I-F-T stands for living in faith together. Living in faith together. And if we are going to have the fire that the church of Acts had, we have to quit being reclusives. You know, how about if I pray a curse on all the television sets, computers in Barstow right now to where people have to actually talk, talk to other people? What would happen? What would happen if all the goofy Googles shut down? What would happen if all of a sudden all the remote controls burnt up? You know, somebody might say, Hey, Irma, what you and Dave doing tonight? You guys want to come over? Man, my house is dark. I don't have anything to do. Let's just sit around talking about Jesus. Go pray for somebody. Amen. Amen. Austin, uh, what are you doing, man? There's nothing to do. We got, you got six days off. Let's, let's go fast and pray and go out and witness some of these people. Let's go help somebody. Amen. I'm telling you, in the times we live in, modern conveniences are wonderful, but they're also a distraction too. Too many times for what we need to do. Amen. And so I want you to see this. These people daily, it said daily in the temple, and daily from house to house. These people were radical. They were fanatical. They really believed with all their heart. Something else you got to see about this time too. Like I said, I can't go into all the details there. But a lot of these people stood there and watched an angel talk to them as Jesus Christ went up. And when Jesus was going up, that's the end of Acts chapter 1, when Jesus was going up, the angel said, Why are you standing there gazing? said, Don't you know this same Jesus is coming back again in like manner? He's coming back. And you know what I always like to think about? These guys got to see the supernatural of Jesus going. And many of us are going to see the supernatural of Jesus coming back again. Amen. And so what, I, what I've always believed, what I saw in the book of Acts, the first church of Jerusalem, is this. This was so real. They saw him die. They saw him dead. Then he came back at verse 3 of chapter 1. It says he preached to him for 40 days. It said by the Holy Ghost, the guy that was dead came back and preached for 40 days. And so then when they saw all of a sudden, can you imagine, I mean, all the goofy Star Treks and uh, whatever, all the, I, I, I mean, you know, I don't know what all the shows are. All that goofy stuff and people getting beating me up, Scotty, and all the stuff like that. No, I'm serious. What would happen right now if I was preaching to you and said, well, God said this is my last message, and then I get, I, I get to go home a special way. All of a sudden you saw me go up in light. Would, some, would anybody here get excited What go tell this to everybody what you saw just happen? That's what Jesus did. He went up like that. And those guys are, whoa! Then the angel said, hey, get busy. Go tell people since he's coming back. And so they were convinced that maybe this month. I'm talking about them. I thought, Wow. Because God didn't put a time on said he's coming back. So I thought, man, he might be back tomorrow. Might be back every week. I bet they thought, wow, he's coming back right now. Every week, every week, every week. So over time, over time now, it's been a couple thousand years since then that people have been preaching that because that's the Bible, that's the Holy Ghost. God has given people time, the human race time, to get things right. And so anyway, these people then, they were so serious about this. 
Why would I want to play on Google? Man, they're having fellowship night over Tom and Patty's house. Well, where are they meeting after night? But they're going to be over at Leanne's. Well, what, what's her husband got to say about that? Man, he's right in the middle of it. He got caught in the fire. <laughs> Amen. 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 Well, well, what are they doing tomorrow? Well, they're having lunch with Melinda down at the graveyard. They're meeting in the office. <laughs> I think I'd rather meet in the office of the mortuary anyway. <laughs> Amen. And so what am I telling you? These people found a way every day they got together. Every day they ate together. And then I'm sure that somebody was crying out, Hey, man, are they having church tonight? Are they having church tonight? Hey, what are they going to do? Man, is the church open tonight? Let's go over to the church, man. Hey, hey, sis, somebody get the pastor to preach. Get Pastor Dave to preach. Hey, hey, I heard Austin's got a message tonight. Austin's got something. They were coming together every day. And just like Henry said a while ago about him and Alex, they pretty much hang out every day. He said it's iron shopper and iron. Pastor Dave talked about that a couple weeks ago too. I don't hang out with Gary anymore. We just text. <laughs> no, that my, when, when I got saved, I was single. Another guy, about my age, Gary, he's been here before and preached. He's a preacher too now. We went then, back then, we just, a couple young sinners got saved, turned on to Jesus because we went to a church like this that preached Jesus. And we believed those things that the Bible said were true for us, so we went and did it. And so he and I worked a lot of places together, did a lot of things together, witness of Jesus. But it was an iron sharpening iron for me that was so critical. He and I went to church together. We visited other Bible studies. We did a lot of things together. And, and anyway, that, that's so critical. So these guys met together daily, fellowship, etc. As said, verse 46, they did eat their meat with gladness and singles of heart. Now look at this. Praising God and having favor with all the people. Now look at this. I call this church growth. And the Lord add to the church daily. Such as should be saved. Lord, add to the church daily such as should be saved. And so they prayed and hung out together daily. They were submitted to spiritual authority and doctrine, and the fire of evangelism spread. And so every day people got saved. So now the first church of Jerusalem is 3,120 plus daily new believers. Look it up. It sounds to me like the beginning of a megachurch. But can I tell you the only one that don't like megachurches? The devil. Amen. Now, I'm not talking about seeker-friendly churches. I'm talking about large churches that are on fire for God, that have evangelism in their heart, that want to disciple believers to get them going. I'm not talking about little party groups, but the devil gets nervous if you get a few thousand believers together consistently that are praying in tongues, that are preaching born again. Amen. Preaching laying hands on the sick and casting out devils. Teaching the Word of God. I will never, ever, ever. And I know that some of you have probably been indoctrinated by people talking about how bad mega churches are. Well, God must not have thought so for what happened in Jerusalem. We haven't seen that yet here. I'm just telling you. Any group of people can get goofy. But if you've got right leadership, and people are taught to pray, and they do pray, and you teach, you, and you teach the non-watered-down Word of God, and you let people grow and develop in their gifts that God's given them and work for Him. You can grow a large church, yet be a stable church. I think about Pastor David Katie went to Raymond Bible School, and that church had something like 8,000 members. And that's where Brother Hagen was at. I used to go there all the time to meetings. You could have large churches with lots of people and do good work. 
So don't, don't, don't ever say that thing. Oh, I just want a little church. I want a nice little church. And I'll say, well, the devil does too. Amen. So you're a good company if you just want a nice little church. I want a nice growing church. I want a church where I see, as I look through here, a lot of new believers in this church I see right now. A lot of new believers. I want to see babies. I want to see born again. I want to see people coming in getting help. I want to see them bring their loser friends and family in. Amen. I think that's so cool. Got the brand new guy, Jonathan, here. Just got out of prison like three weeks ago. And he's got, he's here for his family now. Started corresponding with Pastor Dave. This is Pastor Dave's been working with him in the mail for a while. And the man's true born again believer. Amen. True born again believer. He's in here. And I'll tell you what. I bless him in the name of Jesus for him and his family to stay in here, stay out of the Word, be filled with the Spirit, serve God, love God. And well, I think I think about Jenny, her testimony a while ago. I don't know all Jenny's background. I know Jenny before she got born again, she like a lot of us. She probably did things that weren't too good, or her children wouldn't have been taken away. But what I'm saying is this: there's a girl right there, and Amen. A girl right there. I was, I was talking to Joe about her yesterday. A girl right there. That she's on the same road I was on, and some of you were on. We were on the wrong road to destruction. And then it just so happened that Jesse, where's the little Jesse back there? <laughs> little Jesse, Jesse, Jesse. And so Jesse and my son Joe, with the church softball team and the men's league softball team, worked on these guys. And so Jesse would bring Jenny to the ballpark. And Mrs. Pastor and I always preached to our church like I'm preaching tonight. I said, come to the ball games and work the crowd with us. And so we worked the crowd and Jenny was in the crowd. So we worked with Jenny and worked with Jenny. And Jenny and Jesse then began to sneak their foot through the door. They gave their hearts to Jesus. And then we worked on them for a while. Didn't want to push them too much because this is a brand new thing to them. Worked on them for a while. And talk them into coming to two services a week. And then we just kind of took it easy. Kept on playing softball. Kept on pitching, catching, hitting and cheering. And then got them into three. And now they're fanatics like we are. But, but, but. Three children returned back to Mama. Amen. That's what, that's what we're talking about. That's what we're talking about. We're talking about families. Well, you know, I just think about the good stuff that happens, man. We got another. We got the McNeil family. Man, they're such a good example. Such a good example. Where'd Dave go? Is he still back there? Oh, way back there. Hey, Dave. Okay. And so, a good story there. Dave and Irma got two beautiful daughters to go to our church. Well, David and Irma had been married for years. They went through a time of crisis a few years ago, and they got divorced. And then nobody else, God let nobody else come into their lives, put a hook in them to get married somewhere else. And now from coming to the church, sitting under the Word, being the love of God, they got married again. It's been about a year ago. About a year. They're married again. And, you know... And I, I can't tell you how many people are sitting in this church tonight that I personally worked with that were addicted to bad things. And some were really thugs and crooks too. 
Yeah, that's the true story. Well, that's the story about Jesse. I mean, Jesse was a thug and a crook. He's what he's what to give you the first testimony about it. Another another softball game testimony. Have you ever been to our softball games? Amen. One time on a Wednesday night, probably about a year ago, Jesse came up here and Jesse, how many different times have you been shot? Six different times he's in shootouts. I told you thugs. Okay. <laughs> that's that's a bonafide former thug right there. Anyway, whole thing is he's a new creature in Christ. He came up here. He came up here on a Wednesday night. I was preaching on healing, laying on our hands. That doesn't make a difference what you got or what caused it. Amen. See, some people get to thinking, well, I'm the one that's all my fault. Jesus doesn't care whose fault it was. He wants you healed. He came up here. He had a bullet hole scar in his side down there. And when he ran, his muscles were all welded together on the inside. So when he ran, he couldn't run as fast as he wanted to around the bases. And he hurt. I think second baseball, as far as you go, about falling over, he hurt so bad. It was really rough. He said, Pastor, he said, I heard what you preached about Jesus. And I believe that Jesus will heal me on the inside now and take care of putting that back together right so I can run again. So I laid hands on him. And then was at a ball game about a week or two later. And we were sitting there watching the softball game. There comes Lightning Jesse. Woo! Boy, all the way around the bases. He hit home plate. He ran up to the stands. Pastor, 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 woo! I'm healed, I'm healed! Amen. And then, and then he told me, that that Wednesday night as he walked away, he felt the hand of God inside him moving things around, getting things straightened up and putting that back together. Amen? And so I'm telling you, that's what this is about. This is not some just some religious game. We're not a good social club. And I'll tell you what, if we had the leadership and the people to daily, this church would definitely be meeting daily. It would definitely be meeting daily. And this lift groups we're working on. Man, I want everybody in the church to get connected with another group of people in the church and meet weekly at least. I mean, praise God, come all three times and then I know that's not enough for you, so then meet a time or two with the other believers. Amen. Amen. Can you see that from the Bible, how they did that? It says, the Lord added then to the church daily such as should be saved. And so now the first church of Jerusalem has 3,120 plus daily new believers that have hooked up. Now look at chapter 4, verse 4, and chapter 3. Uh, Peter John going to prayer meeting, got a guy healed. Religious people didn't like it, so persecution started. So they've been persecuted. But chapter 4, verse 4, they already arrested uh, Peter John, put him in jail. And then in verse 4, the sermon that Peter was preaching says in verse 4, how, how be it many of them, which, what they do? Heard the word. Remember those three keys I told you about? How did faith come? They heard the word. When they heard the word, what happened? Faith came. So when they heard the word, they believed. And the number of the men was about 5,000. 5,000 more salvations of the men. So even under persecution, they preached God's word about Jesus being the answer to all the problems. About 5,000 men got saved. Let me ask you a question then. How many women got saved? I just told the men part. 
Was it possible some teenagers and children got saved too? I think we got the beginning of a megachurch there. I think something big's going on. I don't think God got upset because they had more than 50 people. Oh, we just said we get more than 50 people. I just don't feel like it's a church. Well, I just say you and the devil just power around then. You know? And I'm not saying that at all about churches that are small churches at all. I'm not saying nothing about that at all. I'm just saying if they're alive and they're doing something and they're growing and they're reaching out, they're going to ask people to get born again. Something's going to happen. Amen? Something's going to happen. God wants the church full of people that pray, that serve, that love, that give, that work, that want to do something to get people into heaven. I've done better preach than you are. Shout, where's my shouters at? Okay. <laughs> okay, so that, so now at this point in time then, we had the first church of Jerusalem grew to about 8,120 for sure, because it gives those numbers, plus all these others that don't have a total listed on them. So we know for sure 8,120, because the Bible gives those numbers, plus all the attitude daily people plus some of the family members, these men that got saved. And so God is on the move. Amen. <clears throat> so anyway, verse 23. Verse 23. Through the growth, they divide up into smaller groups called their own company. Now, I want you to look at this. And so Peter and John being threatened, beaten, about using the name of Jesus. So it says then, they being let go, they went to their own company, their own group of fellow believers of like precious faith, and reported all that the chief priest and elders had said unto them. And so this would be like belonging to your own church family today. So that church got big, and they had to divide up to be able to handle what they were doing. And so that would be like having your own church family today at the place you fit in where you can submit and receive for spiritual leadership, you can serve and be used in your particular gifts and calling. I'll tell you, that's one thing that I was discipled in about all my Christian life, how valuable it is to let people do what God put in them to do. You know, I know that for me, when I was growing up in my church, when I got born again, I was called to preach. I knew what a preacher was before I got born again. I was very, very, very bashful, embarrassed, mild-mannered, wouldn't talk to anybody, didn't want to talk to anybody. I got born again, baptized the Holy Ghost. But I sit out there on that side of the Pentecostal church. I thought, man, I gotta be up there. I gotta be up there. I gotta be up there. I want to be up there. And then the first church I went to for years and years and years, where they had talked about that, well, if you don't scrub these toilets, you'll never preach in this church. I helped do things, but it wasn't my calling. I didn't want to. It didn't turn me on to clean toilets. It didn't turn me off. But what turned me on was get to pray with people and preach with people, and do Bible studies, and, and go to hospitals and preach and pray with people, go to nursing homes, go to jails. I went any place I could go where there was people, and when somebody wanted somebody to come and see them, I went. I cut my teeth going to the Indiana State Reformatory to preach out there. I cut my teeth in emergency rooms or hospitals. Got to watch out how I say what I say, because I don't want to cause somebody to get flaky. But I was so fanatical, and some of these things I wouldn't do now, but I was young and green then on fire for God. If I got a call to go to the hospital, if I was in a conversation in a crowd that was strangers, somebody said something about, oh, my aunt's in the hospital. I'm going, hey, man, can I go see your aunt? Where's she at? <laughs> and in the hospital, Indianapolis has a lot of hospitals. 
you always have to walk through the emergency room to get there. It was hard to get to the room because I hit the emergency room first. I'd go through the emergency room. I'd pray for sick people in the emergency room. And I know one hospital in particular, they put me on the hit list at the hospital for the guards to watch me because they didn't like me getting people. They didn't like me getting people healed. I really did. I prayed for people sometimes. I got there they walked out. Had one guy one day, had two people with me witness this whole thing. I've never, ever, ever, ever got to see anything like this again. This young guy and his wife were sitting there, a girlfriend, whatever she was, and his middle finger was split. He sliced it with something. It was wide open. And we walked up and said, what's the matter with you? Uh, can I pray for you? I'm a believer in Jesus. And they said, yeah, please. <laughs> I laid my hand on this guy's hand and prayed, and all four of us watched that supernaturally go back together and close uphill right in front of our eyes. We saw it happen right in front of our eyes. But the whole thing, it what? Yeah, thank you, Jesus. So what I'm saying is, today, I wouldn't go work in emergency rooms. Back then, <laughs> I got by with it because I didn't know that was the wrong thing to do. But I did it back then, and I preached to everything. That's where I got trained at as a believer. Bible school is good to learn some things about the Bible. That's not where the power comes. The power comes from you obeying God and going out and doing something for people. Amen? Amen. Where's my shouters at? Come on. Okay. And so, and so they, they had their own company. They had their own spiritual leadership they submitted to. And they were being used in their gifts and their callings. Now, I want you to notice then, in verse 24, it says, They've been let go. They went to their own company. They told about the persecution coming against them. And when they heard that, they lift their, their company, their congregation, they lift up their voice to God with one accord. And so they turned to prayer and said, Lord, thou art God, which made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. So the first thing they did, they didn't go out and cry and say, let's see if we get five million likes on Facebook. We're going after those punks. Well, I'll tell you what, let's get, a, let's get a bunch of pictures. Somebody get in a video and let's show this to the president. Let's show what these, how mean these guys are. The first thing they did when they heard, they did what Christians ought to do. They went to prayer. And the first thing they did when they went to prayer, they didn't go whining. They said, God, you're great. Said, you're the one that made the heavens. You made the earth. You're the one that told the sun when to shine. You're the one that made the oceans, told them when to, what the boundaries were. You made the stars. You call them all by name. You're the one that made those giant redwoods. Lord, you know everything about everything. You're God. Now we got something we got to talk about, Lord, because you're awesome. You see what Bible prayer is? You know, I think about today. I think about today. Man, if you're a Christian that winds on Facebook, get off of Facebook. Every time you whine on Facebook, you're violating your prayers. You're violating your faith. Every time you whine and cry about how bad it is, don't get sucked into that stuff. You tell God how awesome He is. You tell Him how great He is. You get hooked up with your own company of believers. This company here is a church. We're a company. We're people like Precious Faith together. But you have a lift group. That's your company too. Why is it so important to have your own company? I'll tell you why. Uh, back when my son David got leukemia, we were receiving a magazine from a family ministry, one of the biggest family ministries in America at the time. 
Well, that's a different company than Word of Faith Company, than Full Gospel Company who believes in healing and things. And so I stayed in the hospital then for several days, and finally I got a break. I got to go home and clean up a little bit. I got home and opened my mailbox, and here comes this magazine from this really great family ministry. They've got great fruit in family and children and things like that, great fruit. But the headline story was this. Here's the headline I read. I'm out there getting him healed of leukemia. Headlines is how to cope while your child dies with leukemia. That was the headline of the story. They didn't know about him. It wasn't my company. So what I did, real simple, I picked up the telephone. I just called. I said, hey, man. I said, take me off your list. We didn't have all those email stuff. I said, take me off your list. I'll more magazines. And I threw it away. And so it's so important to have your own company. If you hang around believers that think any kind of sexual thing's okay, if you hang around believers that don't believe that God wants to heal people, you hang around believers that think there's more than one way to get to heaven, that God can bless anything and anybody, anytime, in spite of how they live. If you hang around believers, don't believe in tithing and giving, etc., etc., then you're not of one accord. You're not in unity. And Jesus said in Matthew 18, 19, if any two shall agree. And so your prayers, if you're praying with people that are watered down on what they believe, you're not with your own company. And so it's not, it's, it's okay to hang out with other people, but I'm talking about your serious fellowship. You need to hang around with people of your company. People, and say, I'm not limited as to our church at all. I'm not saying that. But you need to hang around people that are full gospel, faith type people that believe the Bible if you want to get some results for your prayers. Why am I saying this? Well, actually, I'm not saying this. The Bible says it. Out of all those believers in Jerusalem at the time, we saw there's at least 8,120. They didn't go to all 8,120 since they went to their own company. Amen. There's a lot of Christians in Barstow right now, and everybody's got their own company. And if you want to be spiritual and smart, hang out with your own company if you want prayer results. Amen. I'm glad I didn't learn how to cope while that boy died. Amen. He's preaching me happy now. <laughs> and so I, I want to, th- this prayer, they begin off praise, praising him for how good he is. And as we're closing, I want to look at what I call the believer's prayer. They start off praising God about how good he is. Get down to verse 29. And I call verse 29 to 31 the believer's prayer because if we want what they had, we've got to study what they did. They were in unity. They promoted the Word, the name of Jesus, and they knew how to pray. And so it gets down to verse 29. And here these people are praying together, a whole church of people. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. And look at this. They didn't say, God smite them. God judge them. God take them out. They said, grant to thy service that with all boldness we may speak thy word. They said, Lord... Peter and John been beat for getting a man healed, preaching Jesus. 5,000 people got saved. And so I said, Oh, Lord, show us well to hide at. Oh, Jesus, give us safety and protection to get out of here. They said, God, we need more boldness. There's still too many sinners out there. We want to be bold to preach to those Roman soldiers. We want to be bold to preach to those religious priests that don't know you. We want boldness, Lord. Give us boldness. Amen. Amen. And so, if that's one of the things they prayed, and we see the results they got, then I think for you and for me, 
if I were on a secular job still, that's, back then I prayed for the boldness. I think that you need to be praying for boldness if you're being persecuted. One quick sideline story that I want to finish the believer's prayer. This one job I had years and years ago, I had a marijuana smoking. I mean, it's okay to, I guess, for a lot of people. It's not okay if God, but I had a marijuana smoking, marijuana, marijuana smoking hippie boss. And this guy was dipped in goopy. That's probably because he smoked that stuff so many years. But anyway, I worked the night shift, came in at midnight, got off at 8.30 in the morning, and this guy's the nighttime boss. Don't know what he did. He'd be go back and forth to his car, maybe a smoking dope out in the car. But everybody knew he was a marijuana. I mean, this guy was goofy. And so anyway, on the job, he was so goofy, he wasn't a good boss. He didn't watch the other employees, what they were doing. So the other guys out there, we had a hotel right next to the place, and they stood there all out, looked through the trucks, the doctors trying to see naked women in the windows. I mean, it was really stupid. These guys did that, and just really they didn't do their jobs. I was a very serious Christian. I didn't steal time. I did my job. I went the extra mile. And so because these guys didn't do their jobs, a lot of trucks were unloading things, things we did, that I, I did my job and their job both because I was diligent because it was my company, it was my paycheck. God had me there. And I trucking was going through hard times back then. So I knew if this company goes out of business, I don't have a paycheck to take care of my family. And so I didn't just get back because they didn't do their jobs. I just loved Jesus. I did mine and theirs. And so one night, I guess boss must have had pressure on called me in the office. says, how come it's taking you so much longer than Frank and Jerry get these trucks done? I said, what would you say? And you know, it's about 2 or 3 o'clock in the morning. And the guy's high. Why is it taking us longer? I said, I want to tell you something. I said, Steve, you know I belong to Jesus. And I work for Jesus. And I answer Jesus before I do you. I said, because of that, I've got a clean conscience with Jesus. I said, those two guys out there are trying to see naked girls all night. Talk about boldness. I said, those two guys out there play games all night. They're around goosing each other, doing stupid stuff. All they do is play games. And I said, I'm doing my work, and I'm doing their work, because I want our company to make money. And so I want to tell you something, Steve. And by this time, the guy started to sober up or whatever you do for marijuana. I don't know if you sober up or what you do. Come down or something. I don't know what you do. Whatever you do, I saw his face start to clear up a little bit. And I said, Steve, I said, Jesus is real to me. And I said, I'm working for Jesus. And I just poked my finger. I don't ever do that to anybody. I guess it was bold. So I want to tell you something, Steve. I said, if you got a problem with my work, you talk to Jesus. And the guy started crying and said, I know you do a good job. I know you do. <laughs> I went on back out there. But what I'm saying is this. I could have got mad. I could have got upset. But if I was one of the punks that was doing the bad stuff, I couldn't have had a clean conscience to talk to him like that. I would have said, Steve, I have to repent to you. I'm sorry. I'll do a better job. But I knew. I knew the job I was doing. My God knew the job I was doing. I knew this guy hear what he was saying that just my heart spoke up. It was boldness. But preach Jesus to him. Amen. Give the Lord a hand. And so we finish this prayer here. We finish this prayer here. Now I want you to notice then, he said, number one, they're praying. They, they, they praise God to start off with it. They said, give us boldness to speak your word. Now look at this. By stretching forth. Do you remember the keys of the book of Acts? The word. Right there, the word. By stretching forth thine hand to heal, and the signs of wonders may be done by the name 
of thy holy child Jesus. Remember we told you about the name? They promoted the name. They preached the name. They talked the name. They used the name of Jesus. By the name of thy holy child Jesus, and when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. It wasn't a California earthquake either. This was a real God shake. They were assembled. It says, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Remember the three keys of the book of Acts? The Word, the Name, the Holy Ghost. Let me tell you something that's crucial about this. Did you notice that Peter and John was part of that? They were also there on the day of Pentecost. They were filled on the day of Pentecost. You know, I, I hear people say sometimes, well, they're spirit-filled. I saw them get filled 20 years ago. Well, I don't know if they're still filled or not. You know, my water glass got filled this morning, but I drank it. My glass is empty now. If I'm thirsty tonight, I better go drink some more. Because I got filled this morning. But you know what? I got filled yesterday too with my water. Last week, I got filled. If you are a Holy Ghost believer and you're putting out, you need more to come in. Amen. Amen. How these guys stay filled? They met together. They prayed together. They ate together. Took communion together. They set out the teaching together. They taught each other together house to house. House to house. They taught together. I want to tell you, there's nothing wrong if you guys talk about the Bible at your house. As long as you're staying under the ministry. you got to stay under the covering. And then if you start getting squirrely and things you're looking at together and think you're seeing, you'll get straightened up and you come in because the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost will use the preacher to point out some. He'll say sometimes, well, I wasn't planning on going this way, but let me look at this. And all of a sudden you're going to sit there and say, oh, wow. Oh, wow. That wasn't quite right what we was looking at last week. Amen. We're talking about these guys here then. They got refilled. The place was shaken when they spake the Word of God. And so that is a believer's prayer. You be praying for boldness, praying for opportunities to boldly proclaim the name of Jesus and the Holy Ghost to show up. You'll get filled up. You've got the, you'll change the world around you. Amen? And so three keys to the book of Acts, the Word, the name of Jesus, the Holy Ghost. And if you do what we're seeing here, there's nothing going to be impossible that God can't do through this church in the high desert of California. Amen? He can do it. Let's stand up. Thank you for listening to this podcast. For more information, visit hdwc.org.